Santa for allowing us to be here today. And it is a privilege to be here in the house of God together uh, with one another. The Bible says from the book of the Psalms, uh, the writer says, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the place of the wicked. Rather have no place and simply be a servant here in the house of the Lord than to have a dwelling place among the wicked. So this morning it is with gratitude that we come here together. We have something very special here. We just sang a moment ago about the earth dissolving like snow. It's biblical language. That's not just some songwriter in Nashville coming up with something clever. That's, that's biblical language. And it reminds us that all things are temporary. In fact, all things are failing except the one unfailing thing. We have the presence and the person of the eternal God. That will never change. The word of God will endure forever. We have a permanence here because of God. And the most stable thing in your life, the most um, permanent relationship, the most trustworthy person and institution and nation and political body, all of these things, one day will give way to the forces of this world except for what we have in Christ. And so we praise him this morning. We're going to be looking at that together in Psalm 8 this morning. If you want to turn in your Bible to the 8th Psalm in the book of Psalms, uh, we're going to read that entire Psalm, a short one here in just a moment. But I want to say a word of thanks real quick to our mission team. We have several of them here. If you're here for the mission team, would you stand up and let me see you real quick? They have on yellow shirts, and there's... Yeah, there they are. Uh, some of them are. Thank you, guys. Some in the balcony, and then Jordan Landers, who drove our van for us, is still at this moment on our way on his way back home. Hopefully, he'll be here when church is over. All my socks uh, are in, in the van. So, anyway, uh, great trip. Lots and lots of work, and uh, I do not overstate it when I tell you that these people in the yellow shirts that you've seen here today worked hard last week. From morning till evening, uh, it was constant labor. We had people uh, who were senior adults and people who were barely in their teens. Uh, everybody contributed, uh, was always working, and uh, had a slate of tasks for this little church there that we weren't even sure we would be able to finish. Uh, but we did barely, by the skin of our teeth, finish uh, by the last uh, day that we had there. And so uh, it's a little bitty church in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, actually in Española, New Mexico, a building uh, that was inherited by two church planters, uh, both 28 years old, uh, Justin and Jordan, uh, in September. And so the church has existed since September. They inherited a building that had been uh, squatted in, so to speak. Somebody had just taken up residence in this abandoned church um, and done as they pleased with the whole facility. And there was some crazy stuff. We've been there two years in a row and have helped them to get this church building up to a baseline. Uh, and it was such a blessing to see the progress that's been made uh, and to worship with them on Sunday. And so thanks to our team for all that work. They played a mean trick on me, not on purpose, I don't think, but your poor pastor had to be in a hotel room with no air conditioning for the first two nights, right? <laughs> don't you give me that thumbs up. Uh, 
if you know me, you know that is a, a, a temptation of the devil right there. You know, a, I had to lay there. Uh, anyway, you know how that goes. But great trip. Thank you for your prayers. Please pray for this little church. Uh, I think the Lord has big plans for it uh, based on just the hearts that we see there. But uh, these guys are out there in, uh, in what is a really desolate place. They're on their own. Uh, here we've got uh, probably five good, faithful churches within walking distance, literally, from right here where we're at. Uh, not so in New Mexico. There is a real lonesomeness there uh, as a Christian uh, and in ministry, especially in ministry. And so pray for them uh, that the Lord would just be their companion, that he'll bring blessings, open their eyes to, uh, to what to his purpose for them there and, and all that. So uh, just commit them to, to prayer. Jordan Clark and Justin Smith are their names. And so, uh, anyway, well, let's move on. Well, we're going to look today at Psalm 8. This is called the Stargazer's Poem. Uh, and so far in the Psalms, we've uh, studied the, the, uh, Psalm chapter 1 and Psalm 3. Uh, and then after that, there's been a series of Psalms that have, have led up to this one where the writer uh, is either sorrowful or hurting or pleading with God, God, please respond. Lord, please come to my aid. Uh, where he's facing enemies or where he's discouraged. And finally, we kind of turn a corner leading up to Psalm 8, which is the first real psalm of praise uh, in Scripture. And so all of a sudden, out of this dark place, out of heartache, this stargazer, as it were, uh, turns to God in praise, almost as if uh, you've had this experience before where you're walking out outside for some reason. Maybe you're taking out the trash or you just happen to be outdoors. And all of a sudden you glimpse up for a moment and you see the heavens and you see the, the celestial bodies, that, that moon there, and those stars. And uh, you see some of the constellations and you just stand there for a minute. No reason. You need to get back inside. But uh, you focused on all your daily problems. You focus on getting the trash out and getting the kids to bed. All that you've got to do before bedtime. And it's, it's all about you. It's all the small stuff of life. Maybe it is the pain and the sorrow and the fright that comes to us in this world. And all of a sudden, the, the skies open up. And you remember, there's something bigger. Right? Not only is the universe bigger, but, but there is someone bigger who holds all of this. Who in your pain presides over it with some manner of wisdom. We don't always know why we're suffering. Why is this happening? The question marks may remain, but we see that there is one who holds these things. And what is chaos to us in some manner is, is, is order to him. He has a wisdom that is higher than ours and thoughts that are higher than ours. We turn and we look at God and we say, God, you're awesome. And in this text, the, 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 the man writing this is having a similar experience. He says, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Is he pleading for God's help? Yes. Is he in need? Yes. But in a moment, he looks up at the skies and he sees it and he says, it. God. Even so, you're majestic. And he opens that up for us. So let's look at it together as we do. Read with me in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, uh, it'll be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we have copies on the back table just for you at no cost. 
We don't want anyone leaving here today without a good copy of God's Word. That's just a gift from our heart to yours. First one. O Lord. The name there is Yahweh. It's the eternal name of God in your Bible. It's all capital letters. L-O-R-D. When you see that, that is the proper covenant eternal name of the God of power. The one and only God. He first issued us that name at the burning bush there with the, the man Moses. As he's calling Moses over, he said, who are you? Who shall I tell people that you are? He said, you just tell them that I am. That's good enough. For, for me. I am the God who is. I am the self-existent one. I am the one who will be. I just am. I am Yahweh. O Lord, our Lord, Adonai, uh, our personal God, our King. Uh, o Yahweh, our King. How majestic. Your Bible may say excellent or magnificent. We struggle to capture this word in English. That the name of God is so packed full and we just struggle. We say majestic, but it has so many meanings. How majestic is your name in all the earth? You have set your glory above the heavens. Now the heavens are good enough, aren't they? The moon, the stars, it's, it's amazing. His glory is what? Above the heavens. And out of the mouth of children and nursing babies, you have established strength against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Notice this real quick. What is mankind that you are aware of him? I mean, how small we are as a collective, God, that you would be mindful, that you would have a mind uh, to recognize us at all. Or the Son of Man. What's the difference? That means you. Right? That's not us. That means me. What, what is mankind that you are mindful of him? You know, God, what is Matthew that you care for him? I mean, it's a growing sense of language here from mankind to will. And it's a growing sense of power, of affection here from being mindful to caring for. Oh, God, when I look at these things, what, what is mankind that you're aware of us? And oh, God, what is the son of man, the son of man, what am I? That you care for me. Verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. All of this that God has made. Uh, that we just spoke about. He has granted the crownship of glory and honor and dominion over these things. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, O oh Yahweh, our King, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There are three realizations I want us to look at this morning. 
to refocus our world, like perhaps uh, occurred in the life of the psalmist on that day. When all of a sudden, out of the small minutia of life, or out of the pain and struggle thereof, he's awakened, and the skies open up, and he has no choice but to proclaim the excellencies of God. Three realizations for us today. The first is this, the unconfined glory of God. The unconfined glory of God. The first two verses just really shape this for us. And we're given a picture here that the, the, the majesty of God is not limited to one place, but it fills all the earth. It goes everywhere. Think of people around here who have a good reputation. We, get, we name names in this area like Lyman Hall, right? A clergyman who was a signer of, was it the Declaration or the Constitution? Declaration. The Declaration. Signer of the Declaration of Independence, Mr. Lyman Hall. You don't have to go too far out of Hall County, or even in Hall County, that people don't really even know what that name is, right? It's just us who really gets Mr. Lyman Hall. Think of Lake Sydney Lanier, named after Sydney Lanier. We know that name, but guess what? Not far from here. Zell Miller. In all of Georgia, we know old Zell, don't we? We've named highways after him. We remember him fondly. But, you know, you go up to Arkansas or Colorado, and guess what? They don't know Zell Miller. And you might think, well, so there's some people that everybody knows. Uh, I mean, Abraham Lincoln or George Washington, everybody knows them. But maybe you go to Zambia, and perhaps they don't know those names over there. And even if everybody in the world knew who George Washington was, guess where his name doesn't carry weight? Above heavens. Who? The glory of God is above the heavens. And guess where his name doesn't carry weight? From the mouth of a nursing infant. Who? Is George Washington? Yet God's glory fills the entire earth. There is no way we go, nowhere we go, that God's glory is not right there, present, at hand, available. He is majestic in all the earth. It is above the heavens. The, the science, scientists tell us that it would take 100,000 light years, if we could travel at the speed of light, to cross the Milky Way galaxy. <coughs> they tell us that the next uh, nearest galaxy is greater distance than that to get from the Milky Way to the next greater one, where we start traveling 100,000 light years across that galaxy. It's a vast universe, and that's where the glory of God is, above that. It's a vast glory. And the other extreme is the little mouth of the little baby. Little babies, little tiny ones, are declaring the glory of God, the majesty of God. His glory is there. What does this tell us? It tells us that from one extreme to the other, the glory of God is there. You think, well, he's in the big, big things, the mighty things. But he's not in the small things. He's in the good things, but he's not in the hurtful things. I mean, he's in the victories, but he's not in the sorrows. No, friends. His glory is above the heavens, and his glory is in the mountain infants. All places at all times, God is majestic. I was having a conversation with Jordan Clark, uh, the pastor of this church in 
in New Mexico. His wife was there. We were in their living room with their two little twins. And his wife said, Jordan, your feet stink. <laughs> he just got out of the shower, right? Libby was there, I was there. That's a way to bless your husband, wives, by the way. You get company over and just, just throw it out there, you know. You, your feet stink. And uh, Allie, sweet Allie, said, Jordan, your feet stink. She said, you just took a shower. Did you wash your feet? He said, you don't have to wash your feet. He said, all the soap from everything, it rolls down over those feet, you know. And she said, you don't wash your feet? He said, no, you, you don't have to, you know. It, 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 they're self-washing feet, right? I said, no, Jordan, you've got to wash those feet, you know. I gave him a few instructions in detail about how to wash them and how to get in between the toes real good. You don't want to hear it, but um, I told him that. You know, something, you take a shower, but something's forgotten, and it shows, right? Or something's left out, and uh, the, the Bible wants us to be sure, and there's a wisdom here to make sure we know as stargazers, to make sure we know that when it comes to the majesty of God, nothing is left out. You're never going to find yourself in a place, in a time, in a circumstance where you need the, the, the presence and the majesty of God, where you wish for it, you long for it, and if you just can't find it, the majesty of God is everywhere. There is no situation where you will be outside the power and the presence of God in victory. And in defeat, yes. In strength and in weakness, yes. In rejoicing and in sorrow, yes. In confidence and despair, in gain and loss, in wealth and poverty, yes. About God's glory, praise God that it is at all places at all times. And about your life, frame your life in light of this reality. As you walk through all these places, remember, O Lord, O Yahweh our King, how majestic is your name in all the earth. But secondly, we see the unconfined glory of God, but we also see the incalculable power of God. Verse 3 says that the stargazer looks at God's heavens. Whose heavens? Your heavens. This is the possession of God. The heavens are the possession of God. Think something you carry around in your pocket. It's your possession. Think the, the whole heavens are that to God. When I look at your heavens, the work of your, what, fingers. Now, the Bible is not uh, dumb. The Bible elsewhere speaks of the mighty arm of God, right, of the strong hand of God. It could have employed that language here, but the, the wisdom of the Spirit of God did not do so. It tells us now about the work of the finger of God. Think about what you do with your finger just for a minute. The finger of God. The moon and the stars which you have what? Set in place. You just put them up there. This language paints a picture uh, for us to expose the scale of God's greatness. And here's how it does that. It talks about little things like fingers and setting in place. What do you set in place? I set in place uh, my shoes at night, right? You put, just kick them on over there to where they belong. Salt and pepper shaker after dinner. You know, we got to put it back in its place. You might tell the kids, put the toothpaste where it goes. The small, it's small things that we set in there. 
places. And guess what? The moon and the stars and all of the heavens are just small compared to God. They're merely the work of his fingers on He doesn't need anything more than his fingers. And in fact, that's metaphorical. I mean, he doesn't need any more than, than his power. He just does what he does with his fingers. The moon and the stars. No, just the fingers. You know, I was a kid in my grandma's church in Brainerd, on Brainerd Road in Chattanooga. There was a church that she went to, and my grandfather too. And one of my favorite words uh, that I would ever hear spoken from the pulpit there at that church were, we're having a finger food fellowship after church. The triple F, the trifecta. I mean, if you're, a, if you're an eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, and you hear finger food fellowship, and that lights up your world. You know why? Because you know your grandma and all her friends will be going home and making little pimento cheese chicken salad sandwiches and cutting them up into little uh, what are they, uh, triangles, taking the crust off. If you're lucky, and y'all know what this is, You'll buy the, they'll buy the little bread. You know that little skinny bread? It's not a triangle. It's a little bread, right? And the whole sandwich is tiny finger food. One of my favorite things that we would have at, at those uh, finger food fellowships, I call them uh, barbecue weenies, but they really go by the name Little Smokies. There's a picture of them on the, on the screen there. Little Smokies. Um, they're miniature little smoked sausages and Ladies, y'all know what you do with them. You put them in those crock pots and sauce them up. I mean, it's, it's delicious. They're so delicious. They don't even need all the letters. Uh, it just, it's not little smokies. It's just like little, little smokies, you know? That's how good they are. You don't even need all the letters. Just let the flavor speak for itself, right? It's just a, it's a delicious little treat, a little toothpick for your what? Fingers. We never go to a finger food, the triple F, we never go there and have finger food spaghetti <laughs> or finger food lasagna. You know, we, we don't do that. It's too much for our fingers. And there are things that are too much for our fingers, right? You don't catch a football with your fingers. You don't chop wood with your fingers. You need more than that. Doesn't God need more than his fingers to, 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 to display the glory of the heavens and the moon and the stars and the orbits and the precision, one spinning this way and turning this way? I mean, it's magnificent. Surely God would need more than his fingers. No, here's how big the glory, the majesty, this majestic God is, is it all this that this causes the stargazer to just be weakened and, and humbled there and in that moment, all of that greatness is merely the work of the finger of God, like a salt and pepper shaker. He has simply put it into place. That's the greatness of God. And so this morning, I hope you're confronted by the unconfined glory of God. He is everywhere at all times. Praise God. Man, I, I have to praise God for that because I find myself in places sometimes that I need the majesty of of God to be with me. And he is there. But secondly, the incalculable power of God. So what if he's there? If he's helpless? I mean, his, so what if his name is Yahweh? If that means nothing, here's what it means when you call out his name. 
It means he's there, and it means he's powerful. How powerful? You can't even count. Don't even worry about it. You'll never get there. The incalculable power of God. Let that change you today. Let that make a difference to you today. If the incomprehensible works of God's creation are mere works of his fingers, what must be the total power of God? It is limitless. He vastly, infinitely exceeds not only ourselves, but anything we can perceive or imagine. Let him be your king. Oh, Yahweh, our king. But lastly, we're confronted with the unthinkable love of God. Something happens here that kind of stupefies this writer. He sees all that stuff, realizes how big God is, and says, whoa, wait up, wait up just a minute. What in the world? Something doesn't make sense here, God. Something doesn't compute here at all. What, what is man that you are mindful of him? Father, you did things in the universe so much more complex than man. I mean, things that man can't even imagine. Things we don't even know about. And yet, you also love the likes of us. He's forced into an unsolvable equation. Something doesn't add up. You've seen this happen in real life before. We have a little dog. little He's called a miniature or a toy Aussie doodle. And let me just surrender my man card right now uh, for having such a dog. Uh, we have a toy Aussie doodle. A doodle, y'all. It's, it's, a, it's a, a little guy, you know, and you've probably met him. His name is Arthur. Well, he has a little girlfriend that lives right in the woods here over on Poplar Springs Road named Cheekies. I'm sorry, that's the name of the dog. Uh, his name is Cheekies. And it is a full-blooded, full-grown German Shepherd. <laughs> and they are in love. And all that goes with that, okay? I believe it at that. But Cheekies comes over, all the breaks free from her house, comes to our yard, and those two are inseparable. It's amore, right? It, it's, it's a, uh, but you look at that and you think, this is a total mismatch, right? This doesn't go together. Guys, you know, we face reality here. You've seen this happen but in your own lives. You, some beautiful, smart, brilliant uh, girl that, you, that you've known your whole life, a niece or a granddaughter, comes bringing around this, this total flub as a, of a guy, you know? Well, you'll see him married. You think, how in the world did he get her? How in the world, in the world did she get him? And depending on your, your perspective there. I know that's happened to many of you here, man. Uh, <laughs> it's a mismatch, isn't it? And a, a total mismatch happens here as the stargazer looks and says, I see all of that, and then I see us. God, how could you be, how, how did we get you? How can we say to you, oh Lord, our Lord, oh Yahweh, our King, how did we get you? Let's face reality, Lord. It doesn't add up, it doesn't compute, there's a mismatch here, and even more God. And you can almost picture the writer of this as, as he has his experience with God, uh, realizing that and then thinking, Oh, God, what about me? 
I mean, I know us, but Lord, I really know the darkness in me. I really know the sin in me and the weakness there. I really know how undesirable, Lord, I am. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you, son of man that you care for him? Yet you have. And he goes on and on to describe the glory that God has bestowed upon man. This disturbing mismatch between God's love and our unfitness for it is nowhere more shocking than on the cross of Calvary. Where there not only did God have this mind and this attitude, this compassion toward us, but he went through measures beyond our thinking so that he could take hold of us. In the New Testament, the, the first the book of 1 John, here's what that book has to say from the Bible. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed or lavished, your Bible might say, upon us. That we should be called the children of God. And such we are. The Bible, it, 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 says, this, it, it says, look and see what manner of love that God has just lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. Romans chapter 5 puts it this way. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. That was me and you. He died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What this is saying is this. Sometimes people give their lives for one another. But we usually do that when it's a, a righteous person, somebody worth it. And maybe even for a good person, somebody might dare to give their life, to swallow hard and give, give themselves for a good person. But God's love is unthinkable. It's upside down. It's unreasonable that he gave his life for us while we were ungodly, while we were still sinners, that he died. That's the outworking of this ancient song in the New Testament when the Lord Jesus came and gave his life for you and me. I want you to know this morning that as profoundly powerful as God's creation is, the fullest expression of his majesty is in his recreation of helpless sinners into sons and daughters. That ought to amaze us this morning. That, that, that he has done this. Uh, he has recreated us, the perishing into the rescue, the lost into the embrace, and even more, we are struck with wonder at the lengths to which he went to take a hold of some of anyone like you or like me. We have no answer for that. Except to say, majesty. Oh, Lord, our Lord, oh, Yahweh, our King, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We see your glory, but God, we have no answer for the cross. And we simply praise him for it. At the casino we stayed at, <clears throat> on our mission trip, 
Libby and I were at the counter one day trying to get air conditioning in our room. Uh, and uh, through the glass doors leading to the outside there, we stood in line. A woman walked up to her husband. They looked like pretty feeble and uh, very old, very aged. Um, she walked up there and he said a couple of words to her. And she just collapsed on the asphalt. In the hot New Mexico sun, she was just down there. And he was, you know, I don't know what, but down helping and comforting and loving. And, and I said, Libby, I'm going to go out here and check on these, <clears throat> these people. And I went out there and she was just, just wailing in tears. Tears and snot and sorrow and words you couldn't even understand what she was saying. And uh, he told me that she had just been told that her daughter had died. I don't know how, if it was expected or sudden or I have no clue. <clears throat> but she was just told that. Some people are very dramatic, but she was not being dramatic. And she was overcome. It was obvious. And when the time was right, I helped her up to her feet and uh, her weight. You know, we had to carry her whole self out to the car. And on the way there, she just uh, blabbering about her daughter and, and uh, my, my little girl. And uh, just on and on. And then in one moment, she said two words. He said, oh, God. And I thought, look at this place around us here. Godless landscape. No churches. Churches that are there are misguided at best, many of them. People here from tribal lands and residue of a Catholic background. Residual notion of some religiosity. But most people just making their way at the casino. You ought to see the lostness in their eyes. We walk through there over and over. Pull the handle, push the button. Lostness, hopelessness. But even in that place, there's a notion of the majesty of God. The one who rules over life and death. You may not think of him. You may not look to him. But he's there. She called out in a moment, oh God. Listen, I want you to know this morning, without a doubt, the message of this song is that there is nowhere you can find the power, the glory, and the love of God are not present. You may find him in the booming echo of creation, or you may hear him in the faintest whisper of a newborn infant, but he's there. And he has revealed himself this morning to us through his word. He's shown that he's put all his cards out there. Here it is. Why would you withhold yourself from him? Maybe today you've never trusted Christ as Savior. He's shown you him himself. Why don't you surrender to him? Well, maybe today, Christian, friend in this building, it's not that you're outside of grace. It's not that you can sound unsaved. But listen, God has shown his glory, his majesty. But you have not framed your life around that. It's worry, it's stress, it's anxiety, it's all of this. It's the small things and it's the pain and 
And all of that has colored who you are. And God is saying, look to me. He is to be found. I hope you'll find it this morning. Let me pray for you today. God has said to us through his word today. The Bible says that we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. That we are to make the appeal, the plea, on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. There's power in those words. There's meaning there. In this little song, only the eighth one, from one book of the Bible, the Lord has shown us today how he cares for us. And remind us that he gave his own life for us. Wouldn't you come and receive Jesus and say yes to the grace, to the mercy of the cross? To go from being an outsider to being fully included and wanted as a son and a daughter of the king? doesn't make sense. We have no answer for that. No answer we can give is yes. Yes, Lord, I do. Yes, Lord, I will. Yes, Lord, have it all. Maybe this morning you need to come to Jesus. If you don't know all together all that that means, that's okay. That's why we're here for you, to love you and to walk with you. We'll help you. I'm not going to embarrass you. We'll take care of you. Maybe today you've never obeyed Jesus and gone to the waters of baptism. Or maybe today you're here and you just say, God, this is bigger than I thought. And Lord, it's certainly bigger than I've been living. And you would want to come up and bend the knee and go to God in prayer and just say, God, man, help me to live like this is real. Help me to live in light of your love and your majesty. Oh, Yahweh, be my Lord. Oh, God, be my King. I followed other kings. I want you. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the word of God. And we praise you for trusting it to us. Thank you for reminding us how little we are. But Father, help us to have a desire and a fire within us to long to be as close to you and as much like you and as near to your majesty and your bigness as we are able to be in this life. Not satisfied with the small things and the pain and the struggle, but Lord, awaken to your majesty. Only you can do that. We ask it of you today. And we do so in the strong, merciful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing as we do.